welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher and yoga business coach. I am so glad you're here. Enjoy 45 minutes of training for you and your yoga business. Hey folks, Amy here. Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast for the week. I hope you are all doing fabulous. Hope you're all doing fabulous. Hey, today's topic is part of the Catherine Bennett files. You may remember at the start of season four of the Abundant Yoga Teacher podcast, uh, we kicked off with a topic that had been suggested by someone in my community, Catherine Bennett, yoga teacher. Uh, And Catherine actually supplied me with a bunch of topics that she thought would be useful for the podcast, which is awesome. And please know that if you ever have an idea uh, about you know, something that would be in service, something that you're working on. Uh, I think Emily in the Facebook group said another podcast about photo shoots would be good. But if you have something that you would like my support with, I would love to hear from you. Um, I'm always on the hunt for great new podcast topics. So you can hit me up at Instagram, on Instagram rather. <laughs> Gee, 41 much? Uh, at Amy Yoga Biz Coach is my Insta. But today, Catherine Bennett file number two, Catherine asked me what my recommended reading list would be for new yoga teachers. And I got to say, Catherine, uh, I am really grateful that you asked me this question because funnily enough, I've got quite a strong opinion on this topic. So here we go. So, um, so I, uh, you may or may not know, uh, something that I'm working on in my business at the moment is uh, creating teacher training syllabus for the history and philosophy portion of an entry-level yoga teacher training. And uh, I'm going to be teaching that for the first time, so excited, in November at Summer Studio in Armadale in New South Wales. Uh, Summer Studio foundress, Laura Collis, fabulous yoga teacher and yoga mentor. Really excited about that. And actually, you can come and just take my part of the training, which is pretty cool. If you want to hang out, get your nerd on. Uh, we that happens in November and again in March, uh, summer studio, Google it. Don't know. Didn't mean to promote that, but there you have it. Anyway, um, in putting together this syllabus and working on some other yoga teacher training ideas and business developments for me for uh, 2020, I've had to do that thing of pull out all the books and, and boil it down to, well, what, because I, you know, if I could have my way, I would give people truckloads of books to read. Uh, because we know this, like hashtag yoga nerd, Amy equals hashtag yoga nerd. So I, I, there's a lot of books that I recommend. But the reality is when you're just starting out, uh, you can't take on too much, right? It's all a little bit overwhelming. I remember when I was doing my 200-hour teacher training, I, I talk about this often, I did it in northern Thailand at a very strange, fucking weird as so, so, so strange, the strangest place I've ever stayed. And I've traveled a lot. Very strange uh, feng shui training camp. Weird. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm about to offend some of you. Let me let me be the owner of that. Like I am the sort of person who, um, you know this already, I'm rough and ready. I can't, like people say, oh, I go to sleep with just a lick of a, a melatonin tablet. I don't. I, you know, I'm like, you got to beat me up. I'm, I'm hardy. I'm... As, you know, from Australia. <laughs> and I'm pretty skeptical about a lot of stuff from the new age movement. So when I had to take a class as part of my 
involvement at that centre where we had these giant egg beaters that if we bopped ourselves with them, it was restructuring our DNA. This is from a woman who did three years of tertiary education, university education in science. Uh, yep. Anyway, so it was batshit crazy, the place where I studied. But anyway, what my point, and I have one, can you believe it? Why do you listen to this? I'm so grateful that you listen to me rabbiting on. Anyway, the point of this truncated anecdote, even by my standards, is that in however many days it was that we were living at that whacked out place, there was a lot of information to take in. And just sort of keeping my head above water in the in the, in the nyana of it all was, was, the, was, was as good as I could do to sort of survive it. Um, you know, you get ex. We have experts coming at Ellen Heed come and teach us about anatomy, and that woman is a powerhouse. We had Carlos Palmeira come and teach us about philosophy, and that man is a powerhouse. Let alone Sarah von Stover's incredible teachings on yoga. Like it was, it was a big. Um, Lucas Rockwood came to. It was a big, big faculty and a lot of information to take in, and so even just kind of trying to get my head around how a glacier is a different thing to a kosher is a different thing to a chakra is a different thing to a guna and where the hell is my psoas again? Uh, not to mention the fact that I'd never taken a yoga class that used Sanskrit terminology for the asana. <laughs> I was in full out overwhelm. And so, and then, so just to, just to uh, put, put sort of be able to consume that much data in that period of time was intense. And so what I realize now in hindsight is that because I was just working so hard to actually uh, retain that much information and try and compute it and, and arrange it and store it in my mind, I did just simply did not have the capacity to consider it um, objectively, to actually you know, review and rationally consider the information that I was taking in. I took in what we got as the truth as far as yoga goes. And I suspect, like, hit me up somewhere and share. I'd love to hear back from you on this. But I suspect that's true for all of us, right? That we just, we don't, maybe it's true for all learning. You don't know anything, but you want to learn. So you find someone that you trust, that you want to learn from, and you learn from them. And at least in the initial stages, you take what they teach you as the teachings, i.e. the truth. Um, however, it may or may not be the truth. It may or may not be factually correct. It may or may not be your truth. It may or may not be the way you decide to interpret things. And so when I was thinking about what texts would I recommend for the history and the philosophy portion of a yoga teacher training, I really wanted to pick texts that I believe help to um, help to provide some context and provides a broadening of um, a broadening of understanding that is based in research because unfortunately a lot of entry-level yoga teacher trainings to my mind are using historical texts and here I'm talking mostly about Patanjali's Yoga Sutras but also about the Bhagavad Gita, sometimes the Ramayana, the Mahabharata but they're using the, the Radiance Sutras, right, the Vijnana Bhairava, they're using historical texts or not in, 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 um, in translations that um, in translations that 
may not be initial translations. They may be translations of translations. They may not even actually be translations. They may be uh, essentially commentaries, like the Radiant Sutras, for example. Um, it's based on the Vinyana Bhara, but it's not a translation. It's a, a, an interpretation, perhaps you could call it, but very, very different to the core base text itself. And and this even, you know, it even depends, it even comes down to where you got your book from. So I think probably the most commonly owned copy of the Bhagavad Gita is the Bhagavad Gita as it is by um, Bhaktivedanta Prabhupada, the ISKCON, founder of ISKCON, Hare Krishna folks. And, and that lineage has a very particular angle on interpreting um, the Bhagavad Gita, very fundamentally different from my personal spiritual belief, for example, which means if I simply picked up Prabhupada, Sri Prabhupada's The Bhagavad Gita as it is, and read that, it's almost a completely different book to if I picked up someone else's interpretation that comes from a different perspective. And we see this again and again and again. The Patanjali Yoga Sutras is classic, um, that people uh, apply their own belief system uh, to a text, and uh, and and as a result, um, as a result, alter. Perhaps I'm being controversial here. I'm trying. You can probably tell I'm being somewhat mindful of my word choice. Alter the the intention of the book of the of the teaching, and and historically, in fact, this was done by design. Um, people, you know, p- politically. This was done by design. Politically, there are political reasons why certain texts are are interpreted in certain ways um, that have to do with uh, current and past Indian politics, um, and uh, you know, like the freedom movement from um, British rule, all this sort of stuff, as well as even f- much further back into history, um, you know, the the the. Um, no, sort of Hinduism uh, revival movement, uh, invasion from other, from like the, the, I'm using air quotes that don't translate to audio, Muslim invasion, you know, into, into India. All of these, um, all of these, uh, the, the rise of Buddhism and Jainism and the movement to more monastic, uh, away from lay layperson householder um, situations and the move into monasticism and what that meant. So over time, all of these texts have been reinterpreted. And then you get down to like modern postural yoga, you know, what we're all teaching for the most part, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably teaching modern postural yoga. And depending on who your teacher was and what they like to read, you could be teaching something that is whacked out so far removed from the original text that it doesn't actually relate to it at all. Is it still a powerful teaching? Maybe, sure. Does it still make a good example? Yes. But are you actually talking about Patanjali's Yoga Sutras or is it simply now a nice-looking meme that someone shared on Facebook? And like I said, if they're motivating and inspiring and help someone to to have a moment of Svadhyaya self-reflection, bring it. But is it actually the teachings of Patanjali or whoever anymore at all. So all of this to say that today to answer Catherine's question about what, Amy, what's your recommended reading for yoga teachers? 
I've got two books that these are all like, um, these are all, if you've done, if you've read the basics, maybe you've read like, I don't know, some Gorg, what's his name? Georg, 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 first time books. <laughs> uh, maybe you've read, you know, maybe you had a crappy Bhagavad Gita interpretation. Maybe you just can't get enough of the Radiant Sutras and you love that, but you've never heard of Lakshmanju. Um, I don't know. Say say you're about there. Maybe you've got um, Light on Yoga or maybe you've got, um, I don't know, um, what's Richard Freeman's book called? It's a good book. Anyway, maybe you've sort of read the basics. Here's my suggestions that I would like to propose because I think they will broaden out your perspective. If your Bhagavad Gita is the one that you gave for gold coin donation to someone who was um, chanting in a square somewhere, (laughs) it might be time to take a look at these texts and, and as a way of, as a way of, providing a touchstone to evaluate what it is that you believe to be true about yoga based on the the books that you've been exposed to to date, which may not be uh, unbiased, may not be accurate, may not be um, uh, based on current research because let's face it, those super smart people in various places around the world are uncovering things all the time, i.e., anyway, don't go there only if it's too nerdy for today. But so, so just making sure that you're pretty much on top of things. So here we go. Thanks, Catherine. Great question. First up, uh, my first recommendation is A Student's Guide to the History and Philosophy of Yoga by Peter Connolly. I'll say it again so that you don't all message me and say, can you give me those names of the books again? Here it is. I'll say it slowly and I'll try to do more of a global accent. <clears throat> A Student's Guide to the History and Philosophy of Yoga by Peter Connolly. That was my audible voice. Do you like it? History and fucking students go on a history of yoga. Yeah, Peter Connolly. That's my Australian version. So that would be the one that I would recommend first. Honey, sit down and get out some highlighters. And mine is, I wish I could show you this, but again, pictures don't work so well on ye oldie podcast. Uh, mine is full of little sticky notes and tabs and teachings and, um, yep. And, oh, it has a boarding pass as a bookmark to the Gold Coast. Uh, that one I would totally recommend. Why? Because it actually is exactly that. It is a student's guide to the history and philosophy of yoga. It takes you back. It takes you back. Um, and uh, based on good research, based on data, unbiased, lots of texts, um, references and really um, it, it, this is talking about yoga in terms of uh, more about uh, you know metaphysics and thinking because as we know or as you're about to discover uh, postural yoga ain't old it's not old it's not 4,000 years old it's not even 2,000 years old it's maybe 200 years old and I'll get to that in a moment but Connolly's book really does take you back to where did these thinking systems come from and why? And I think that's super important. Uh, yeah. So that's number one, Catherine and everybody else. A Student's Guide to the History and Philosophy of Yoga by Peter Connolly. It's dense. It's an academic. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a I guess you call it an academic text. 
Yeah, it's been so long since I've been at university and I only did an undergraduate degree. <laughs> Not that smart. Um, but it's dense, but it's, and it's great. So that's my history book number one. History book number two, and this will come as no surprise to those of you who know me a bit, uh, is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely Yoga Body by Mark Singleton. If you haven't read this, you need to get it. Yoga Body by Mark Singleton. Do yourself a favor. You need to get this. If you tell people that yoga has been around for 2,000 years, if you're telling people that there are cave paintings of someone doing Astavakrasana, I'm joking, a little bit. Uh, and I, I say this with love because I, 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 I don't have, I, 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 I'm not in your position for you Ashtangis um, and the teachings of Patabi Joyce about the ancient nature of vinyasa. Um but if you have if you have taken those teachings as gospel um, and not done any inquiry into them, I really do lovingly invite you to buy yourself some heart-opening tea, brew it, sit down and read this book, Yoga Body, The Origins of Modern Posture Practice by Mark Singleton. I remember it's been it's it's not um <laughs> it's not it's not new and I was the reason I was laughing is because actually it's not new because one of the uh quotes on the back one of the testimonials on the back is actually says John Friend founder of Anusara Yoga so there you go that's it tells you a little bit about so it's got to be written before 2012 uh let's see 2010 2010 and I remember being with my teacher in Jakarta after he had just finished reading this and I could tell how it had fundamentally shifted what he was teaching, how he was teaching, why he was teaching it, um, and really reiterating the the points in here about where all this stuff actually came from. And the reason that, I mean, I love it. I love this book because it knits together a lot of ideas, but I also love it because it um, it takes away some of the dogma that we have around our primary lineage holders. You know, um, the, that, that, um, oh, that, that we hold these people in such high esteem when maybe in fact we shouldn't, maybe in fact we, um, we gave away too much power or we presumed too much by the lineage holders, uh, and, and their status. And as a result, we've been telling people things that are actually inaccurate or untrue so a really powerful book um i i i you know i think that it needs to i actually think it needs to be in entry-level yoga teacher training as a reference book because it just puts a pin in all of the bullshit about how old yoga is and where it all came from and how there was some secret text that got eaten by ants bullshit that actually had all of the yoga poses on it i'm sorry i know for devout ashtangis i've just been incredibly disrespectful um but i do think that and like i said i'm not an ashtanga practitioner and i you know patabi joyce is not my my guy and and so i can be i have been rude about that just now but i do think that um these sorts of things do require interrogation but what is the plausibility of an ancient text that spelled out everything that Krishnamacharya and Pratabi Joyce were the only people that ever saw it and then it got eaten by ants. I mean, for me, I'm a skeptical person. Um, faith doesn't, faith is a muscle that I'm constantly developing. That doesn't seem plausible. 
So, I, and, you know, the, and these sorts of things, um, the, the yoga came from the Indus Valley because there's a dude sitting with his legs crossed. I mean, for real, I'm pretty sure as long as humans have been bipedal, you can cross your legs. Was that yoga? Mm, not sure. But so I love this book because um, it's beating the drama of, well, let's actually look at the science it's, and, the, and the, the facts of where all this shit came from. It, it also, I think, it, um, you know, I think Bikram Chandra got such a beating and, um, and I'm not going to talk about my view on whether that was deserved or not, simply because I don't know enough about it. I presume it was, but, but, but what I do think about Bikram yoga as a methodology is that it's powerful, it's transformative, it is a gateway drug, yoga drug. I mean, how many people I've met because they, they, they are powerful, influential yoga teachers and they just got started with a, what is it, like $19 for 10 consecutive days or whatever they do at Bikram, if they still do that, get you in the door, get your hormones all pumped up and feeling awesome and you become a, um, a devotee, right? So I do think that um, and even just the methodology in itself, am I into locking the joints? No. Um, but, but there is something about it that maybe it's the survival, uh, the feeling of survival at the end, but there is something about Bikram that has actually made a very important contribution to modern pastoral yoga. And I do like the way that Mark Singleton talks about that tradition, where it came from and how it's all more connected to legitimacy than than what we perhaps give it credit for these days so recommendation number two is yoga body the origins of modern posture practice by mark singleton all right so there two of my go-to actual hard copy books the other two books that i'm going to recommend today i hope this is useful i'm just sitting here chatting about books that you can't respond to so i hope it's useful guys i apologize if you're like fudge this is a shit podcast uh, all right. The the other two books that I am going to recommend are I have both of these on Audible. Don't yes. start playing. Oh, did start playing. I have both of these on Audible. Um, that uh, uh, so I've listened to them. I I love me some audiobooks. Uh, and you can get them as book books, but um, yeah, I've got them on Audible. Uh, now the first one is. Um, the first, I'm just going to, Amy, spit it out for God's sake. The first one is the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali, a biography by David Gordon White. The Yoga Sutra of Patanjali, a biography by David Gordon White. Now, why is this on my list? Well, y'all know if you've listened to my podcast for any period of time that I am no fan of Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. Um, and uh, in putting together this uh, syllabus for uh, the teaching at Sama, yoga philosophy and history teaching at Sama, the, the Yoga Australia uh, requirements to get the 350-hour whatever thing, situation, you've got to teach this text. And I think that's BS. Like I really want to march in the streets about this. Um, my teachers have always spoken about the fact that Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, which is actually not even how it should be translated, um, Patanjali's Yoga Shloka or whatever you want to call it, that book, that, that, that set of teachings um, is, is uh, radically overrepresented in terms of importance in our industry, that it is a, 
uh, it's a strange text that start there. It has contradictory, um, uh, it has contradictory statements within it, particularly around like Purusha and Prakriti and um, like it's illogical in points. Um, it was written by a dude that really uh, was a, you know, he was not, um, man, the, it's, it doesn't make sense on its own. Uh, it needed a commentary. Recently we've decided that the commentary, first commentary, he wrote it himself. He had to write an explanation for his own book. Uh, it borrows heavily from Jainism, heavily from Jainism. So arguably, is it a Hindu text? Does it matter? I don't know. But I really think that it is incredibly unfortunate that for whatever reason we have decided in terms of modern postural yoga that the go-to scripture for our tradition is Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. And I bet that it was the book that you were told to read uh, when you did your YTT. Maybe you teach out of it. Maybe you think the yamas and the niyamas are it and a bit. But I mean, even the yamas and the niyamas, if you actually look at the what the Yoga Sutra is about, it's a, oh gosh, I could, I, sorry, I'm really going for it. I? But the Yoga Sutra is about, if you get to like the, the second part of the, sec, the second section, it's about cities. It's about developing magical powers, right? It's about uh, becoming a superhuman and getting back to the absolute. And so the yamas and the niyamas, they're not like, these are the code of principles that you should live by to be a good person. No, they're like, this is the shit that you have to do so that you can get yourself ready to have magical powers. They're not about the betterment of humanity. They're about your own personal progression. So I think even, you know, yamas and niyamas, we just, this is sort of, you've got to teach this stuff, it's foundational. But according to who and why, there are so many other incredibly beautiful texts that have all sorts of practices in them and ways of, and, and lists of great ways to live. Um, and I, I just think it's really unfortunate that Patanjali got all this, uh, got all this exposure. And, and I really think it's unfortunate that we have to have it as an essential text to teach to brand new yoga teachers, because it's not as important historically as it would seem, uh, it is now. Um, it's just not. And, and, and people read it out of context. People take bits of it and leave other bits sukhastira masana oh yeah that's right you gotta have the balance of effort and ease in what context you know what i mean like yeah anyway uh so the reason that my second book is the yoga sorry my third book of my reading list for next level beyond basics yoga books is the yoga sutra of patanjali a biography by david gordon white is because it is exactly that he he tells us about the history of this particular text and why, how it came to be written, who wrote it, who edited it, what political influences, um, you know, what parts were actually written by Patanjali and what parts were inserted because someone had a political agenda, uh, what, what, uh, um, how it was received at the time, his, the historical importance of the text and why it has come to the prominence that it has and where we could be looking for better texts in lieu of this one. So if you had a yoga teacher training that was all about Patanjali, if you think that Patanjali is it and a bit, 
I lovingly invite you to get this book uh, and then maybe also, you know, I mean, let's at least look at the Hatha Yoga Pradipika or the Shiva Sutras or like the Spandakarikas. Like let's go look at some other books other than Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. Uh, yeah. So that's book number three, The Yoga Sutra of Patanjali, a biography by David Gordon White. Uh, and then the last one, um, this one is a bit, um, oh, see, you press the button to read them to you and they start playing. This one is, um, this one is a different, different sort of taking a tangent here. People often ask me when they're starting to work on their money story, oh, Amy, how can I, what books should I read to start to heal the wound I have around being prosperous and being spiritual? Okay, I understand that. You're right. Uh, it is okay for me. It is safe for me to make great money, pots of Lakshmi coins money by teaching yoga. But but I got to do some work because this is a you know it's in me deep and uh and I need to do some some healing with it. What books should I read? And so I am so 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 delighted about this next recommendation because I think it's an amazing book. Um, there are some money books, spiritual money books out there to be sure, and um, uh. Like Sandy Fernandez's Karmic Currency, I interviewed her. You can get that on a past episode of the podcast. There's some really good stuff coming out. I really like this one because it, um, oh, God, controversy. Big concise, Amy. I really like this one because it draws on the text. It's not too new agey because I'm not a new age person. Um, it's, um, it has an authority to it. And uh, as well as being powerful and transformative for you, the reader, I also believe that there are exercises and examples and quotes in here that you could absolutely blend into your classes, uh, your sequences, your workshops, your events. So it is The Jewel of Abundance by Ellen Grace O'Brien. The Jewel of Abundance by Ellen Grace O'Brien. The subheading is, I'll read it again, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity, through the ancient wisdom of yoga. So it's a book about uh, how, in fact, abundance and prosperity is part of a yoga journey for a layperson, for a householder. Now, um, here's where we get a little unstuck. Ellen Grace O'Brien, uh, fantastic, fantastic teacher. I want to go spend time at their center. Amazing. Um, coming from a yoga tradition that has a Vedic bent, right? If I've lost you, don't worry, you don't need to know it. But essentially, um, you know, you, as I understand it, more of our current research shows that there is actually no reference to yoga in the Vedas. And so while we, so, so, we, and we still have a little bit of a mix up with where we're bringing Vedic teachings into yoga teachings. Um, so, you know, it's it's got a bit of a crossover there. How much of a purist you are about, um, you know, where you're where you get your yoga teachings? That might just be something to sit with if you're a super nerd. But if you're okay with having a little bit of blend at that particular point in time, because let's face it, people weren't great about dating the books back then. Um, I think it's a very enjoyable, very uh, motivating and inspiring book, and it will expose you to more uh, old, ancient. Don't old philosophy. So if you are, um, if you did find that that was a little bit lacking in your YTT, 
this is just another way to get your head around some older teachings, which I think is, is really important. So let me read that one one more time. The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga by Ellen Grace O'Brien. Loved it. Loved it. Um, there you have it. They are my four, get going, uh, books. Thanks to Catherine Bennett for asking that question. Super good. Um, the question of recommended reading for new yoga teachers. Now, <laughs> as you can probably imagine, uh, I could go on for quite some time about other books that I think you should get. If you are, and if, hey, let's do that, let's do that. If I uh, hear some other books that I, I love, I love these. Um, so if you've got those, or if you go read those, or if you're ready for like, yeah, I got that, Amy, let take me to the next level. Um, Here's some just for fun that I love. Uh, I love It's Here Now, Are You by Bhagavan Das. I just fucking love that. I love Autobiography of a Yogi by Yogananda. And as I always say, I like the audiobook version uh, read by Ben Kingsley. Years in my master's hermitage. You have come. Sri Yogeshwar. Yes, Amy listens to that a lot. Uh, I also... Um, I also, where is it? Where is it? Christopher Wallace. Oh my God. I really like uh, the recognition sutras. Obviously Tantra, what's it called? Christopher Tantra Illuminated, I think. Amazing book and also available on Audible. Um, but you, I, I would recommend that you get it in hard copy because um, it's got pictures that you want to look at. Um, fantastic, fantastic book. Uh, anything that Christopher Wallace does equals awesome. Um, yeah, there's some... There's some tips for you for now that I really that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, what else? No, they're the ones that I'm gonna. They're the ones that I'm gonna go with. So anything by Christopher Wallace, um, Bhagavan Das's autobiography. It's fucking nuts. I'll be here now. That's obviously on the list. Love Ram Das's Be Here Now. Um. um that's what, I was, that's what I would say. They're my books. Thanks, Catherine. Great topic. So, folks, uh, there you have it. Uh, <laughs> bit of a wacky podcast, hopefully useful for you for this week. Like I said, if, you are, uh, if you've got a topic that you'd like me to do a podcast on, reach out. Let me know. Um, I, I always want to make sure that I'm being as useful as possible. Um, the, before I finish up, just a quick reminder that the registrations for Growing Your Yoga Business close tomorrow. We have had our orientation call. Uh, you can access that the replay. Um, people are starting to get to know each other already. We've got people from Scotland and Canada and Australia and Mexico and Brussels. Uh, everybody's starting to connect and get to know each other. We're going to have a powerful six months together. I know it. So if you have any questions about GYYB or if you need to take one more look at the material before you sign up, you need to get a hustle on because we're closing the doors. I'm, I'm, I'm closing registrations on Friday, the, what is it? Friday, the 19th of July. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so that's that's your deadline. The website is amymcdonald.com.au forward slash growing your yoga beers. If you have questions, you need to get them to me now at uh, amy at amymcdonald.com.au. Just to whet your appetite a little bit, I'm going to finish up this podcast with just a peek inside the orientation call so you can get a sense of what uh, GYYB is like. 
the sorts of people that sign up, how we roll. Um, and, and if you're on the fence, this is going to, you know, you'll either climb back down or you'll jump on over. So enjoy that. And then I'll speak with you all again next week, everybody. Take care. So welcome, everybody, to our orientation call for growing your yoga business. I'm so excited that you're all here. Knowing a little bit about all of you, I am so excited about this group. Talk about power for hours. We are going to have an incredible six months together. Let's get started. So with all of my substantive uh, trainings, what I like to do is begin um, is begin each of our sessions with um, a centering practice, very simple centering practice, because I believe that um, business development is sadhana and it is a practice. And uh, it has absolutely been my experience that, in fact, um, the developing my business has been the most the most yeah the most profound personal development journey that I've taken in my life and that's having done 32 years of yoga so uh, I don't say that lightly so I think that anytime we step into an opportunity for jnana yoga anytime we step into an opportunity for svadhyaya for reflection for uh, the the yoga of knowledge and um you know, like vidya, like real deeper understanding, um, that that should be commemorated and that we should actually take a pause to uh, prepare and prepare for that and also to pay respect to that. So having said that, come to sit well like you would for uh, your own meditation or contemplative practice, whatever that asana looks like for you, but sit well, close your eyes. And we're just starting here with Sahaja Pranayama. So the uh, naturally arising breath, a spontaneous breath. And whatever time of the day it is for you, whatever has come before and whatever is coming after this time, let's just put that to the side and foster within yourself a sense of spaciousness. And into that spaciousness now, call in the energy of certainty, of confidence, knowing that you are in exactly the right place now. You are meant to be here. That this is the perfect next step for you in your own personal growth as well as the growth of your business. And if you are feeling any sense of uncertainty, any sense of comparison, doubt, self-doubt, maybe I'm in the wrong place or maybe I don't have what it takes or maybe everyone else has it but I don't, know that the Shakti, that creates that sensation, you have the power to 
redirected. But that energy, that, that Shakti can be redirected into a more supportive and nourishing channel. And my invitation for you in this moment is to choose the channel of confidence and certainty that you are in the right place. And next, I want you to call to mind your Sankalpa for this time together today. What is your intention? What is your resolve? What is the positive, present tense, short, succinct statement that affirms what it is that you desire to receive or understand, to acknowledge, to release, to discover, to dissolve? What is the I am statement for you for this time together today? Call it to mind. Craft it. And when you have it, repeat it silently three times. And then our final step in preparing the container for our journey today and for the next six months is to begin to become sensitive to the collective energy here. Appreciating that you don't know each other yet. Start to take your awareness more external and become mindful of this collective energy. That in saying yes to yourself and your business and choosing to join this program, you have also stepped into a nourishing and supportive circle of yoginis who want to see you excel. Who are ready to support and celebrate you. Meet you where you're at. Hold you accountable to your own desires and goals and provide you with loving support and feedback in a way that is really safe and encouraging. Just feeling into that energy, that, that feeling tone. And now let the prana of your eyes come forward. Let's come back into the here and now. All right, ladies. So let's get going with uh, some of, uh, with with my my agenda for us today. What I would like us to do next is to get to know each other a little bit. So please get out your journal um, or whatever you you know uh, whatever you do. But journal is a good place. Uh, and I want you to actually write down what is that sankalpa that that sankalpa that intention that resolve that you set for yourself for our call today. So what is it that you desire to, what is the state that you desire to be in? What is the new knowledge or understanding that you desire to have? What is the feeling tone? Write down that sankalpa that you crafted for yourself and we're gonna share those with each other as a way to get to know each other a little bit. While you're getting those down, um, I just wanted to reflect back uh, something that I've been, I've been thinking, obviously been thinking about you all in the lead up to um, the call, I think 
uh, it's been a while now, like Korean, I don't know how long ago you registered, but it was a long time. Um, so some of you have been waiting for this moment about as long as I have. Um, some of you, Audrey was like, shoom, in at the last minute, love it. But regardless of how long you've been preparing for this session, I, I've been thinking about you all and I just wanted to reflect something uh, that's really been sitting with me um, before we open up to, to hear from each other. I've been having, as I'm sure you have experienced in your own businesses, I've been having a lot of communication with people who, this is essentially the gist of the email I get. And I, I mean, I've been getting a lot of these emails. It goes something along the, these lines. Amy, growing your yoga business looks amazing. I know it's exactly what I need for my business. And I, I really want to join it. And I don't have the money now. So maybe I'll get there next time. It's just too expensive for me. And I've, you know, I've been thinking about, well, you know, is it too expensive? I mean, it's $4,000, that, that's a hefty sum. Um, maybe I need to think about the pricing. And I got myself into, over the past two weeks, I've been doing this whole thing of, well, shiz, maybe next time it needs to not be that much. And I started thinking about, I've had 20 some emails of people saying, it looks amazing, I really need it, and it's way too expensive. But maybe these people are onto something, maybe I need to drop the price. And about a week ago, I was washing the dishes. Anyone else have like Shakti Pat when they're washing the dishes? I, was, I could never get a dishwasher. All of the connection to God, gone. But washing the dishes, looking out there into the garden, and, and I thought, hang on a second, I've got 10 amazing women who have signed up for this program and if they don't get at least $4,000 worth of value, if they don't make at least $4,000 more in their business in six months, this program is a colossal failure. And I mean, if they, the chances of that happening are so unbelievably low. Okay. I just, if, 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 if in sharing space, if we all share space and go on this learning journey together for six months, and you don't make back your investment, something's gone really wrong. There is no chance that that is going to happen. If you are showing up, if you are asking questions, if you are supporting each other, if you are getting on the calls with me, receiving the coaching, if you are watching the videos and implementing what it is that you discover about your own business as we go along, there is no way that you're not gonna see an incredible return on your investment. So congratulations to all of you for deciding that not only are you available to invest at this level, but in deciding to invest at this level, inherently what you've done is committed to getting out the value that you put in. And like I say often, more than. I am interested in always investing in your business, not spending. Spending, in, um, spending implies that you put money in, but you might not get money out or you put energy in, but you might not get energy out. Uh, my loving invitation to all of you in being on this journey with me for the next six months is that you receive a radical and thrilling return on your investment. Energy, time, money, let's really go for it. Feeling inspired, ready to grow your own yoga business? If you're ready to share your yoga with the people who really need what you have to offer, growing your yoga business with more ease, flow, abundance, and support, check out my six-month yoga business training program, Growing Your Yoga Biz, at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash growing your yoga biz. 
Use coupon code BIZOFYOGA when you check out for $500 off. Enrollments are open right now. Namaste.